Metro Praise International. How many ready for church? Make some noise. If you're ready for the word, make some noise. Woo! Open up your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. I'm going to switch it up just a little bit today as we continue in our sermon series. It is amazing to see the first service filling up like this. I can guarantee that you are giving the second service a run for their money. There's been some side bets with the elders, and we're just so thankful that we are in two successful services right now. And both services last week with Gene and Tisa were powerful, were they not? Some of you stayed for the second service because he preached a separate message. It was amazing. As always, you can see our live feeds online if you miss any of the services. And then I just asked Rudy to uh, record just the one that I'm feeling is the best, either the first or the second. Uh, For today's service, I was weeping in the back. I would not even be able to come out here. I was just in tears, and uh, I'm still a little bit uh, choked up because we're talking about the gospel today. I, I, I do not want to be over-emotional and scare some of you guys, but I am so emotional right now. I really am. I, th- this subject we're talking about today is so near and dear to my heart. This is what separates us from every other religion in the world. This is the message and life of Jesus This is what transformed me when I was at my mother's kitchen table, 18 years old, come on somebody, with drugs in my pocket, not wanting to live. I wasn't suicidal, but I just didn't want to live that way anymore. So here was my mindset. Mother, take me to a mental hospital. And when my mom shared these words with me, the gospel that Jesus still loved a sinner like me. I got saved. I got transformed. You see what I'm saying? And and today, you got to get this. Church, you've got to get this. We're going through the book of Ephesians this whole year, and many of you have been following along with us, and I want to encourage you to read the book of Ephesians every week. But today is a special message because it transforms lives. I've met so many people transformed by the gospel. I remember working in New Orleans, and I met a pastor through one of the uh, T-shirt guys I was working with. This guy, his name was Whaler. He was a fisherman. He's actually the one who taught me how to catch big fish in the Gulf of Mexico, and he would make T-shirts for us. And I remember meeting another pastor through this man's business. His name was Orlando, and he came and preached for us at many different times. But this guy, I just remember the stories he would tell me, the shotguns that were pulled on him, the gangs that he was in, right, and just how God transformed his life. And I could keep you here all day with stories like that. Just people that I've met where you just, you look at them and you would never guess the past that they've come from. If you saw me on, you know, 1186 Shawford Way Drive with my family in my front yard or backyard and all of us out there playing, jumping on the trampoline, you would have no idea where I came from. You would have no idea what I have been through as a sinner and what Jesus did for me that day. Listen to me, especially you young people, when you hear our stories of how many of us, like Ishmael, myself, and others, Lauren, were brought up in church and we backslid and we came back. And some of you think to yourself, you want to do that. Listen to me, young people. You do not want to do that. My biggest regret is that I didn't live for Jesus from the time I was eight years old. When I knew him, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues at a child's camp. Eight years old, I knew Jesus. He would speak to me in my bedroom. He would give me his precious promises. And because of those years from 8 to 18, I became a rebellious young person. I was getting in trouble by 10 years old at 5th grade, man, getting arrested and all that I went through. And listen to me, those scars I carry with me today. And I know Jesus has healed me, and I know that on my leg for me breaking into a gas station, kicking down the window drunk and high, I know that people don't judge me by those scars, but I'll tell you what, when I lay in bed at night, those things still haunt me and bring me to my knees to Jesus. The memories I had to bring into my marriage 
of perversion, the memories that I have in my head of violence and the things that I used to see and do, I would trade anything to go back to that eight-year-old child and say, give me Jesus. You can have the world, but just give me Jesus. I don't care what my friends say. I don't care what this one says. I don't care if I won't look cool. I don't care if I won't hang out with all the skateboarders. Just give me Jesus. I would go back in time. I would do it for anything that I could tell my children. That when I was their age, I lived for God without backsliding. Now I have to teach my children a lesson that I did not know. I want to be able to tell my children the stories of 18 and onward to inspire them. But you listen to me, teenagers. Listen to me, even adults who think it's okay to backslide. Hell is not your place. Jesus came to die on the cross and give us the gospel. He came to give us resurrection life. He died for our sins. He rose so that we might live. There is nothing more sweeter than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more beautiful than the crosses that we wear. Everywhere we go, we wear these crosses because we're reminding people of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm hoping if I get these tears out, I'll be done crying. I can preach a little, but I'm telling you, my heart is so wrecked. Turn with me to that passage in Acts chapter 19. Somebody say the gospel. We're looking through the book of Ephesians. And simply because I am so emotional, the Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So please bear with me if I read from my notes a lot today that are always online. Because, I mean, literally, I haven't even gotten to the notes, and I could just keep weeping. But I need you to hear this more than my tears. The tears are because these stories of the scriptures have impacted me. And as much as I know my tears will impact you, and you'll, you'll say, something happened to Joe. Something really happened to that man. Dude, when I first got saved, the very first thing I wanted to do was go tell other people about the gospel. I see it in my mind's eye right now. I stood on top of a concrete wall that was about this high, a mid-sized wall around a park, Fryman Square during Three Rivers Festival. And I stood up and I started preaching to all of my friends who were in this corner smoking and drinking and getting high. And I remember them mocking and laughing at me. But the gospel had changed me so much, I had to share it with others. I haven't stopped living the gospel or preaching the gospel for over 22 years. That's a testimony of God's grace. God is greater than sin. God is greater than temptation. You can make it. Can I hear an amen? When we get to the book of Ephesians, Paul's already ripping and roaring for the gospel. So we got to go back to the book of Acts to understand why there's even a people that are saved in this city. And it's because on Paul's second missionary journey, he took a total of three. He preached the gospel in this city of Ephesus for around three years. It was a large Roman city known for its pagan idolatry. During that time, great opposition arose, but a large number of people were saved and discipled. They got saved and discipled even though they were being beaten and mistreated and losing their jobs. They suffered for Christ. Now here's what a summary is, a summary of what God did in that city when Paul first preached Acts 19, where I've asked you to turn, look at verse 8, follow this with me. Paul entered the synagogue. This is where he's going to the religious people, the Jews. And he spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. What was he doing? Arguing persuasively. It's okay to get in arguments if they're fruitful, amen? But don't just argue with a fool. Argue with those who want to listen. But in verse 9, some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. Come on, somebody say, shake the dust off. Look at your neighbor and say, there's some people you got to leave behind. Amen. If you want to live for God, you can't take everybody with you. Amen. The road is narrow, but it's worth it. Oh, I'll just stop and tell you right there. I lost so many friends when I first got saved. I lost so many friends. I was a skater that hung out with dudes that did drugs and were in gangs. It was a weird clique to be in, but it was normal for us in a small town called Fort Wayne, Indiana, or a mid-sized city, 300,000. 
But we would all do these things together, get in trouble together, break into houses together, fornicate together, do all of these wicked things. But when I became saved, they didn't want to have anything to do with me. Literally, I could steal with them. I could rob with them. I could do drugs with them. I could sleep with their girlfriends, and they would get over it. But yet they kicked me out of their group when I gave my heart to Jesus. But it was worth it because the friends that I have here are the best friends I have ever known. If anybody ever tells you that the church is not a place to find friends and family, they are either themselves a sinner looking for sinners in the church, not finding what they're looking for, or they haven't found the right church. Because this church and the churches that I've been a part of all throughout my life have brought me the best friends. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with them. Come on, somebody say, I'm going with disciples. I'm going where disciples go. He took the disciples with them, not church members, not choir singers. He took disciples with them and had discussions daily in the the lecture hall of Tyrannius. The synagogue didn't want them, so he got a pagan hall and started having church every day. Verse 10, this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of God. How many want to be able to say that, that all of Chicago has heard the word of God? Chicago is not gospel-hardened only. There are some hypocrites in the churches, but more than being gospel-hardened, Chicago is gospel-illiterate. I talk to people from Wright College to downtown to my neighbors to right around here in the church. They don't know the gospel like you're about ready to hear it today. They know about the cross. They know sins can be forgiven, but they don't understand it. It's just an exchange of faith and love. It's not based on good works. They don't understand that heaven and hell are at stake, that no one can get in without the gospel. They think that it's partially them and partially God. And then they don't know the great magnitude of the love of God, which doesn't leave us as sinners. We get born again saints. Amen. I was born a sinner January 19th, 1977, but born again a saint of God by the grace of Jesus Christ, November 5th, 1995. Verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even his handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Now, don't let anybody sell you a handkerchief online or on TV, okay? This was the real deal back then, not any of that phony baloney stuff. So you see what happened there in Ephesus. So as a result, Paul now is writing to them, and he is now reminding them of what God did in their lives. May we be encouraged by the words of Paul. Are you ready for our passage in this part of the sermon series? Ephesians 1, 3 and onward, we're breaking down the book of Ephesians into chunks. And so this is a chunk that we've been in, 14 lessons just out of this one. We're getting through it, almost done with it, to take on the next section of Paul's preaching from Ephesians. But let's start in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's writing these people, and he's saying, praise be to God, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Where is Paul while he's writing this letter? Where is he? He's in jail, but he's saying, I'm blessed in heavenly realms. He can look at his Roman soldier that's guarding him and say, as sure as I'm right here with you, my spirit's right where God's at. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That is God's plan for your life. The gospel makes you holy and blameless. You may not always believe it. Your husband or wife may not always believe it. But you are who God said you are. So do what he said you can do. Amen. You are a new creation. You are holy and blameless. It don't even matter how you see yourself. It's how he sees you. That's reality. What is real except the perspective of God? Can I get an amen? In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. We had a wonderful message on adoption because we were born sinners because Adam and Eve sinned, separated from God under the abusive father of the devil. Jesus had to come rescue us. He comes to the orphanage of the world, and he doesn't wait for us to tap dance like Orphan Annie to sing and impress him. He says, I choose all of you. You can come home with me. But it's up to us whether or not we leave our little sad state of living in the devil's orphanage, living on barely get along street next to Grumble Alley, being busted and disgusted, needing a checkup from the neck up. Are you listening? It's our choice if we want to leave. Many of us are in jail cells today and we hold the keys. It's the keys of belief or unbelief that gets you out. Amen? 
You lock yourself in with unbelief and say, I don't believe God loves me. I don't believe God came to set me free. But through faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says those who know the truth, the truth sets them free. And who the Son sets free, it's free indeed. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, the prison cell opens predestined us to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Somebody say it's all about grace. Thank you in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's talking about the gospel before he even gets to the word gospel. In accordance with the riches of God's grace, he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. What is the mystery of his will? That we all know and love God. That we get a resurrected body and live upon the new earth with him for eternity. That's the mystery, Jew and Gentile to be put into effect when times reach their fulfillment. How many know this train is getting closer to glory? How many know the church is getting ready to be transformed into the bride of Christ to rule and reign forever and ever with Jesus? Rather, we are the bride of Christ, but we're about ready to be transformed in our duties to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Look at verse 11. Moving right along, we've gone verse by verse. 13 will be our passage today, so when we get to it, please read it out loud. In him we were also chosen. He chose us. Remember that. We have been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. How many of the things in your life are working out with the conformity of his will? Everything. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. These first disciples in the first century were for the praise of God's glory. They set the example. Now verse 13, say it together. One, two, three. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Next week will be marked in him. Come next week and learn what it means to be marked in God. He is a deposit, talking about the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. How do I know that what I am going through now is going to be rewarded in the world to come? Because the Holy Spirit is with me now, leading and guiding me. How do I know that there is a world to come? Because as surely as this world was created out of nothing, and he said, let there be light, and bang, it happened is as surely as he's going to say, sin, get out of here. Resurrection bodies come. So as surely as I see this world today, the Holy Spirit says there is a world to come. Amen? Now when we look at those 14 things in review, you can take your time and go back over them. But we need to understand these definitions now to today's message there. We need to understand truth, gospel, salvation, and believed. Everybody say truth, gospel, salvation, and believed. When we look at the word truth in the Greek, it's aletheia. It's all that corresponds to God's reality. Truth exists because God exists. Gospel is evangelion. It's the good news. What we're talking about today, about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. How many know that's good news? Salvation, soteria in the Greek, is to be delivered from sin, judgment, and death. Some people say, I'm saved, but they don't live saved. If you're saved, you'll act like you've been saved from something. What are you saved from? A bad haircut? What are you saved from? Listen to what the Bible says. When you are saved, you are saved from sin. Sin is no longer your master. The righteousness of Christ is your identity. You are free to live free. You are free from the judgment of God. God will judge you based on works, but he will not judge you based on salvation. Salvation has already been given to you here once you are born again. You have no fear of hellfire, the Bible says, and we have no fear of death. You are saved from the fear of death because you know that there is a world to come. And until that kingdom comes, your spirit and soul will be in the presence of the Lord in heaven until heaven comes to earth. Can I hear an amen? And then believed, pistuo, means to put your trust in God. How many understand those things? Not very hard to understand. References to the gospel in Paul's writings go from Ephesians 1.13 to Ephesians 3.6. This is the mystery, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. How many body of Christ are there? Is there a Latino body of Christ? Is there an African-American body of Christ? Is there an Anglo body of Christ? There is one body of Christ. 
There's one human race. When Adam fell, all, all human cultures fell in him. And then God divided us by, between Jew and Gentile to bring forth the Messiah through a sacred people. But now through Jesus Christ, he restores the world in himself. All people are brought together in Christ Jesus, whether slave or free, Jew or Gentile, male or female. Galatians teaches all are one in Christ. Amen. He then continues on to that place that we're familiar with, with spiritual warfare. In Ephesians 6.15, he says, Your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. How many have the gospel on your feet today? That wherever you go, you're taking the message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to a world that's in need of that message. How many got it today? How many walk into your job with the gospel of peace? Come on. How many of you talk to your families about the gospel of peace? Not everybody will love you, but some will. Some will change. Some will do exactly what you did and repent. And for them, we keep preaching for the glory of God. And then Paul ends his letter. Look at what he asked you to pray for. And it is the same thing that I ask you to pray for me. Whenever you write me nice letters on Facebook and messages and so forth, some of you have heard me say this, and I like to say it because Paul said it. Pray also for me, Ephesians 6, 19, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. How many appreciate courage when it comes to military endeavors? Ever watch war movies, friends? You ever see those? Where the courageous go into war. The courageous. How many women have heard about courageous women leaders in history? And you say, those women inspire me. How many young people here are inspired by David and stories of the Bible of courage? Well, this is what we need courage to do today. We need courage to keep preaching that mystery of the gospel. Why is it mysterious? Because people don't understand why would God send us his son to die for my sins on a cross, and now all I do is believe and somehow my life is forever changed. That is a mystery to them. They don't understand it. They think there has to be more to it. Religion has taught them that the gospel can't be that beautiful. But the audaciousness of the gospel is what makes it so marvelous. The gospel doesn't sound like Hindu religion that tells you to keep praying and doing yoga and to only eat vegetarian foods. It doesn't sound like the religion of Islam that tells you to pray five times a day towards a rock in Mecca. It doesn't tell you the things that the, uh, the Eastern philosophies of Buddha and fortune cookies have told you. The gospel simply says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life can I give you 12 verses now are you ready look at your neighbor so that was the introduction so I'm telling you I can't keep crying because you guys got to hear this today you got to understand why there's a youth pastor in this church that got saved in a jail cell you need to understand today why there are elders in this church that used to hate even their own lives. You need to understand why there are so many around the world coming to Jesus and it's costing them their friends and their family and their freedoms. It's because the gospel is glorious. The Bible actually calls it that in another passage, the glorious gospel. The glorious gospel is the story of Jesus. It shows us how much he loves us. Shows us our value and our worth. When you go to a store and you give them money for their goods, the exchange is based on an agreed value. You don't go to Walmart and pay $5,000 for a pack of gum. You don't value it that way. But you would go to a jewelry store and spend $5,000 on a two-carat diamond ring. When Jesus saw us as a human race, when he saw Adam and Eve fell and through them the lineage of all of us being here in time, he said, you are worth me coming from my throne. You are worth me being nailed to a tree, whipped 39 times to be despised and rejected for my Father's glory and for my love. He said, you're worth it. Somebody say, God is love. Here are the 12 things, if I don't get to them, that you need to know about the gospel. But I'm going to sure talk as fast as I can to get to them. 12 facts you need to know about the gospel is that Jesus preached the gospel. 
Jesus made disciples to live for the gospel. Jesus promised the gospel would be preached in the whole world. Jesus commanded his disciples to preach the gospel to the whole world. Jesus preached, or excuse me, the disciples preached the gospel. Disciples like Peter preached the gospel because they knew its power. Preaching the gospel is a disciple's priestly duty. You are a priest unto God, and this is what you're supposed to do. The devil hides the gospel from sinners. If you've ever wondered why it doesn't work, a lot of times when you talk to them about it, false gospels are to be rejected. By God's grace, I got to speak an hour to Jehovah Witnesses in front of my house with my daughter right here. That's wonderful that we get to confront their false gospel. Number 10, and I, t- I preached to two Mormons at Boricua Fest. Come on, amen. Disciples are to live worthy of the gospel. Disciples are to serve and work for the gospel. God will punish those who don't obey the gospel. Are you ready for as many as I can go through? You need the gospel, my friend. All 12 of these points are relevant to your life. Jesus preached the gospel, and looking forward towards his death, burial, and resurrection, he made sure people knew why he came. A lot of times atheists look back at the life of Jesus and say, we're not impressed. Why didn't he just write something in steel or do something in such a way that could last 2,000 years? Why didn't he just invent a camera, record himself saying a bunch of stuff, hide it in the ground, tell us in the Bible where it is, and come get it when technology is ready? Foolish atheists use the brains that God give them to doubt the God that gave it to them. Jesus didn't come to impress us with Pokemon tricks. Jesus came to die for sinners. The Jews of that day as well as the Jews of today who reject Jesus say it wasn't enough. The Messiah was supposed to come and conquer Rome, rule the world, and enforce the kingdom upon all people. That is true. Many scriptures talk about that. As a matter of fact, five to ten times as many scriptures talk about the second coming of Christ's rule on the earth than his first coming as a babe in a manger. But what those Jewish people missed is that if he would have conquered the world then, there would have been a small kingdom. Only a few thousand would have been in that kingdom. Yet he came first to die on the cross so that there could be an entire human race into the kingdom of God. Animals never could atone for sin. The Passover lamb was just an example waiting for the lamb of God to come. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues about their best life now and five ways to prosper on their job and have a happy family. Is that what Jesus went around teaching? Can you prosper with Jesus? Yes. Can you have a great life with Jesus? Yes. But what was Jesus' primary message? Proclaiming the good news. The gospel literally means good news of the kingdom. Healing every sickness and disease. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the what? The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Everybody look up at me, please. I'm not saying big churches are bad and small churches are good. For many of you, this is a big church. We're getting close to 300 now when you combine our two services. But listen to me. Many big churches today are built on the message of it's all about you. It's all about you. You can make it. You can make it. You're going through a hard time, but you can make it. God's on your side. You're feeling like a struggle's coming your way, but God promised you're going to make it. And all they do is tell you every day something about what you need to hear for little old you. It's not what Jesus said. Yes, he wants you to make it, but he said, pray for workers. He said, pray for workers in the harvest field. Get out of your pity patty party. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. The gospel will set you free, and it will cause you to work to set others free. I want every person to listen to me now. I have met people and myself. We have gone through the hardest times of life. Me, just a little, but the people I've met that are the greatest men and women of God. One of my favorite pastors, Ray Lierna, lost his wife, kept serving God. Uh, one of our professors at SUM Bible College, she got raped as a missionary in India, kept serving God. Jean and Tisa were just here. Guns pulled on them. Listen to me. Everything they have gone through, what has kept them going, through the valley is knowing that there is love from the Father and work to be done. Jesus said, I am about my Father's business. 
Jesus' discipleship was the work of the Lord. Jesus made disciples. That was his business, and business was good. Today's devotional is actually on this same subject. He called them to be fishers of men. Come follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. If you don't see that you are to be a worker in the kingdom of God, that you are to be a fisher of men, you have read the wrong Bible. Welcome to a church that gives you the right one. Amen? Go be a worker for Jesus. Now, don't feel sorry for yourself and say, I'm just a little worker. Be with no significance. You are a son or daughter in the Father's business. You are a rescued orphan rescuing other orphans. What a great privilege that we have. Jesus made disciples to live for the gospel. Mark 8, 34 and onward. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, I'm starting a conference, and I want everyone to pay $100 to come listen to the band. Is that what he said? Listen to me. I love Jesus culture. I love all of these guys that come out with music. But why is it we have to pay them to listen to it after we've already paid them to have it on our iTunes? When did worship cost money to listen to? I understand there's great preachers you want to go to conferences for, but why is it I preach and my preaching's free? The gospel was free. You say, Pastor, I have to pay for your book. Why well, had to pay to print it out, just cover the cost, but you want it for free? I'll give it to you for free. You want it on PDF? It's free on PDF. The gospel will not come with conferences. It may be a part of something we do. That's fine. We've done conferences. The gospel will not be built upon worship meetings where we see the greatest band with the greatest light show and the smoke machines. He told the crowd this and his disciples, you want to be my disciple? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. The gospel in the church is built on disciples who deny themselves, who take up their cross and follow Jesus. That's what it's about. When we preach the gospel, it should be come one, come all, like the days of Billy Graham feeling Soldier Stadium. Is it any coincidence we have all of these paid things to do, but yet we can't see the results that they saw for free? Because you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for, a man-centered gospel, a man-centered conference, a man peddling some fresh idea that he got off of his uh, little devotional time. I'm not here to impress you with my devotional time. I'm here to set an example of a man denied to self who has take up my cross, bear it daily, and I follow Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You must give up your life for the gospel. You must trade your life for the gospel. When you trade your life for the gospel, you get the best deal out of it. Trust me, you don't have anything really that he wants. Some of you think, well, he had to love somebody, didn't he? No, he already loved the Father, Son, Spirit. Perfect union and love was already in the Trinity. The triune God nature loved each other. They didn't need to love you. You don't have anything that he wants. What he desires, though, is that you would love him and enter into the fellowship of the triune God. That's what he desires, but he has no need. And so it would be like me saying to my children today, here is a penny. Hold on to it. They hold on to it. Towards the end of the day, I come to them with my credit card. Let's say the credit card has $20,000 available to it. And I say, now, make a trade with Daddy. You see, they may not understand what that piece of plastic can do, but if they just have enough sense to trust Daddy, they can go from holding a penny in their hands to $20,000. And some of you haven't decided to give up that penny for Jesus and his gospel yet. For those of you who have, you know the treasure that you have. Can I hear an amen? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Anything you would trade for your soul other than the kingdom of God? What, a relationship? Your family? All of this turns to dust, does it not? But we give our lives for the gospel. Verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in the Father's glory with his heavenly angels. How many want to be bold preachers of the gospel now? Amen. How many don't want to be ashamed? Jesus promised that the gospel would be preached to the whole world. That's why you're here today. 
I mean, you couldn't think of a place too much further than Jerusalem than a place like Chicago in North America or almost the entire globe distance away from them. Thousands of miles, thousands of years, hundreds of cultures. You follow our genealogies and all that we've gone through just to be sitting right here today. And this was the promise that Jesus made his first disciples. He said, guys, don't you get discouraged. There may only be a few of us now, but when I go to heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. And he's going to come on you and give you power. I, John baptized with water, but I baptize with fuego. I'm going to give you fire and power, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But look at what will happen during the last days. Matthew 24, 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. How many lukewarm Christians do you see in your world today? Oh, about 80% claim to be Christians in our culture, don't they? But how many are burning on fire for Jesus? Most of their love has grown cold. But look at verse 13. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. At this point, I have to stop because we need to pray before we go. Would you listen to me give you just a few examples? Go back and check out those notes. I traveled to India for my first time not knowing anybody there, but simply having a request from somebody online. I wouldn't do that today because I get a lot of crazy requests from people from all over the world. Some of you as Christians get those, but this was a unique situation, and God told me to do it. When I stepped off that plane, I didn't know if it was a setup. Just what possibly could go wrong was all in my mind. I mean, all of these fears. But when I got off that plane, I ran right into these Indian believers that had suffered for the gospel of Jesus Christ, had been chased out of villages with sticks, beaten with rods. And yet, when we sat down and broke bread together, they told me about the gospel, how it saved them. And it was worth them losing their friends and their family over. Now listen to me. I didn't have much in common with them. I hadn't received lashings for preaching the gospel. I wasn't born in a third world country. But when they stopped talking and it was my turn, I got to testify about the gospel. And when they told me stories, I could imagine myself in those dusty red dirt villages of India. I could see the anger and the spit spewing out of those cursing them and the sticks hitting their back. I could picture it. And when I began to tell them, about a skateboarder who got saved at 18 years old who lived a wild life, I'm sure to the best of their imagination they could see it. What do you think we'll talk about when we get to heaven? Do you think we'll talk about all the money we made, all the things we did at the Navy Pier? My wife and I just celebrated 12 years of beautiful, blissful marriage. But will that be what we talk about? We'll talk about the gospel. The first question that I want to ask you is, do you have a story? Do you have a testimony? And you don't have to be emotional like me. I get it. But do you have a story, a testimony, where you can take me back to the place where you knew you were that lost sinner, deserving of hell? You didn't have any good inside of you, nothing that God should desire or want. But yet he still wanted you because he loved you and wanted you to know him. And he changed you. And then how about this, those of us who have been saved? You've seen the tears come down my eyes as I just tell the stories. And if I go back into that mindset, I'll start crying all over again. I'm purposely guarding my heart from that mindset so I can finish this message and you can pray and get the gospel. And those who have the gospel can be empowered to preach the gospel. Are you listening to me? But how many of you have a story? Not only of you getting the gospel, but you giving the gospel. I'll tell you one right now, and you walk in your mind and see if you can imagine him. His name was Mike. He was a big guy. He worked at the Charlie stop as a waiter on the third shift. It was right off of St. Charles Avenue. We would go there after witnessing on Bourbon Street to 2, 3 in the morning. Mike was new. I didn't know him. He was our waiter, so I began to talk to him. 
He didn't look right. He was sad. So I shared with him the gospel, and he said, yeah, I needed to hear that because my sister just died. I then shared with him, my sister died drinking and driving. We had something in common. We went on throughout our meal. I continued to encourage him to seek God, to know that God loves him and God is able to change his life. And I gave him a card, very similar to the kind I keep in my pocket now. We left, went home. I wake up in the morning and I have a message from Mike. He's calling me from the hotel that he's living in because he doesn't have a house. And he's telling me that he's addicted to crack cocaine and he needs help. And God used me to send him that message. I say, Mike, I get him on the phone. I say, let's go. What about my job? Quit your job. You're coming to my house. I brought in 33 homeless people into my house over the period of about five years. I don't do that now with kids, okay, but I did that for a season. I brought Mike into my house. He fell in love with Jesus. Some things I try to get church people to do, he wouldn't even argue with. He would just do it. We're going to the hood. He was a big white guy, by the way. We're going to the Calio Projects where Master P are from. Uh, Master P, the hot boys, you know, Magnolia. He didn't give a rip. It just made sense to him. The gospel saved me. The gospel is for them. The gospel will save them. They don't have it. I must bring it. He goes. He starts preaching with us. I then send him to the drug rehab because I would act as a buffer. I was tired of sending people to the drug rehab, them never doing it, so that's why I would bring them in just for a few days to buffer it to make sure that they would stay. I've actually had homeless people leave my house with the clothes that I gave them on their back because they smelt like urine, and they're flicking me off saying, nobody loves me, the church doesn't love me. And I'm like, Bubba, you're wearing my shirt and shoes right now. I think we love you. We're just not going to let you sin in this house. Are you listening? Oh, but the story gets better. He goes to the drug rehab, becomes one of their best students, becomes a leader at the drug rehab. Hurricane Katrina happens. A year before that, I left New Orleans, came here to Chicago, started this church by God's grace. We go back to do hurricane relief effort, did it all those years, many, many years helping the people out. And I pull into a church, and there's a big guy driving a forklift. And my wife is a witness to this. He jumps off that four-trick truck, comes running to me, and he says, Pastor, do you remember me? I was the guy you brought off the streets who used to work at the Charlie stop. Look at my wife and kids. I have a family now. I go to this church because you told me about the gospel. Do you have a testimony of the gospel in your life? And do you have testimonies of the gospel touching and saving others' lives? Because it starts with us, but it doesn't stay with us. Can I get an amen? Would you stand up to your feet and give it up for Jesus today? Come on, give it up for the the one who brought us the gospel. Woo! We love you, Lord. Glory Come on, praise him like you've been saved. Come on, who's got a salvation praise today? Who has been delivered, set free? Woo! Gloria! Hallelujah! Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I was included. In Christ, when I believe the gospel. Ben, would you come please with the altar workers? You were included when you heard the gospel. There is no distance between you and Paul the apostle now. He's in heavenly realms and you're in heavenly realms. There is no big eyes and little U's in the gospel. All of us are in Christ today. Let's go bring the gospel to the hurting world. Amen. Let's pray first for those who need it here. Would you just have an attitude of prayer as I begin to pray for you? Lord, I ask that anyone here that does not have you in their heart, that has not repented of their sins, place their faith in you, believing the gospel, will do so right now in Jesus' name. Right now, if you want the gospel, the power of Jesus in your life right now, just raise up your hands and say, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Make me new. I deny myself. I take up my cross, and I'm following you. Come on, in your own words right now, who needs the gospel for salvation? 
Now remember this, Christians, we never leave the gospel. The gospel's with us every day. We just approach it differently. We approach the gospel now as our identity. I am saved. Some of you right now as the unbelievers coming to Christ, the sinner comes to Christ, why don't some of the saints thank the Lord for Christ? Just in your words, confess with your mouth who you are. Believe it and declare it. Thank you, Lord. I am saved. The Bible says whoever confesses Jesus as Lord will be saved. Oh, thank you, Lord. A few more moments. We're thanking God for the gospel or receiving the gospel right now. Forgive me of my sins. Transform my life. Thank you. Thank you. 15 more seconds. I know some of you pray right now while I'm praying. I've met so many of you at this church that come up to me and say, man, I got saved, Pastor, at that last time you prayed at the end of the service. Even before I came up to the altar, Pastor, I got saved at my seat. I'm giving a few more moments for you to get saved right now. The gospel, the gospel, it's good news about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to save sinners and bring glory to the Father. We are trophies of His grace. Those of you dealing with condemnation right now, come on, say, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When your past haunts you and the devil tries to bring you to your past, come on, proclaim the word of the Lord to him and proclaim your future. That's what I do when those memories come back. I just proclaim my future and who I am. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, would you look up at me, please? I want us to get radical for 30 seconds just before we go. These altars will be opened right at the end for anyone who needs prayer, those who accepted Christ into their heart, want prayer for healing or something going on in your life. Any need, our prayer workers love to pray for you. But here's the deal. I want to get radical for 30 seconds, maybe a minute. I'm making give 60 seconds to being radical. I want us to pray for this city. I want us to pray that the gospel will reach at least three people we know. And maybe even those we don't know. Are you guys ready? 30 seconds. Let's go right now. Pray. Jesus, I pray for my neighbors right now, Steve and Michelle, for the gospel to come to them. I pray for my brother-in-law and sister-in-law right now for you to use me to preach the gospel to them. I pray, God, for these streets that the gospel will be preached on the west side, the south side, in the loop downtown, Logan Square. Come on, Cicerone, Cermak, Little Mexico, right now. Jesus. Jesus in Humble Park, in the surrounding suburbs, we pray for the gospel. The gospel, use us. Use us, Lord, to preach it, to live it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you hold somebody's hand? We don't do this often, but when we do, it's a special time. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a testimony of God's grace. Come on, join hands here, muchachos. Look at your other neighbor and say, you are a mighty warrior. Amen. Let's pray for one another right now. Lord, anoint us and appoint us, empower us to preach and to live out your gospel every day of our life. Let us never be discouraged, God, when they reject it because they have did that for thousands of years. But let us seek and save the lost like you did through you, Lord, to seek and save the one who will want it until we multiply and multiply and your kingdom comes upon this earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Will you bless the Lord one more time, saints? Come on. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say, preach the gospel. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you at Life Groups. If you need prayer, come on up. We'll pray with you. Or you can worship with us. Oh, yes, when I believe. Thank you for coming today. Don't be in a hurry if you feel you need prayer or want to worship. The promised Holy Spirit When I believed oh, I was healed in you When I believed I was healed by promised Holy Spirit When I believed I was healed in you I believed I believed in your love Does anybody believe
believe in the love of God today. Oh, God bless you as those who have to go. For those who are praying and worshiping, do you believe it? Those who can hear me, just believe this with me today. Believe this with me. You are an ambassador of the gospel. You are a kingdom ambassador. And you know what? Everything you do will be remembered in eternity when you do it for God and His gospel. You raise your family centered around the gospel. Oh, you'll have stories to tell about your family and the kingdom to come. You operate your business according to the gospel. All the stories will be forever told about what God did in your company and on your job. There is so much glory on the gospel. And God wants to pour it out in you and through you. Can I just ask you to name five places you want the gospel of peace to go with you this week coming up? How many want to bring the gospel of peace to a 4th of July block party? Come on, Ishmael. How many want to bring the gospel of peace to your job tomorrow? To your neighbors today? They got a carnival in my neighborhood today. I want to bring the gospel there. How about to your enemies? Those on Facebook, maybe send them a John 3.16 scripture and say, Hey, we didn't used to get along, but God told me to send this to you. I'm praying for you today. The gospel changes things because it's the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. For all those who believe. In Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen after party? Keep praying if you're praying. We're just going to dismiss the band, but keep praying and worshiping. You have plenty of time.